right. Hello, everyone. Good to see you. My name's Luke. Uh, hello to all of our campuses, Bel Air and Abingdon and Edgewood and anyone online. Who's this, Mount Road Campus? You guys alive today? Awake today? All right. All right. I hope you're alive and awake uh, wherever you are. Um, I'm sure all of your Christmas preparations are going exactly as planned. Right? No, not quite. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're not shopping right now. You could be out doing that. You're here to worship, and that's a good place to be. You know, we, we're going we're gonna to talk about some uh, hard things today and some really good things. I hope you're ready for both. I, I was thinking about the number of times from the stage that we've taught on the, the hard realities of life. If you've been around in recent years, you might remember some of the, the series that we've done. There's one called The Struggle is Real. The Struggle is Real. And, and, and it is real. Uh, or uh, Dancing with the Scars. Kind of a cheesy name, but we all have scars. There was torn, and uh, what keeps you up at night, and forcing us to face some real fears and challenges, addictions, and those kind of things. Under our skin, uh, and untouchables dealt with some, some tensions and real uh, difficult issues facing our world. And then there was God for the rest of us, which, you know, that was for the rest of us who uh, actually don't have it all together and do have problems and are burdened and are unsettled and so forth. My wife, Holly, uh, told her story during the Dancing with the Scars series. Anxiety has scarred her life, our lives. And she was able to be honest about that. We both shared in an interview and and told some of how we deal with that. It was about six years ago. I wish it were fixed. I wish, wish that scar was all healed up. It's been worse at some points since then. Uh, 2017 was especially difficult. It was paralyzing her at times. This anxiety such that she's not even able to leave the house. Why don't you fix it, God? Like all all of the the heart palpitations and the racing pulse and the anxious thoughts and the tightness of the chest and the sleepless nights and the rising adrenaline, can can, can it settle? Can, can Can you make it stop, God? Our friend Nicole asks a similar question. She's in our rooted group. We've enjoyed to share that experience the last few weeks. And she's been very open how she struggled with the same thing, uh, having anxiety her whole life for as far as she can remember. And, yeah, there's times it, it just shuts her down. She can't go to work, can't function normally in, in her relationships. And I don't doubt that there are several here who can relate to that. You're unsettled. You're, there's unrest. You're ill at ease right here and right here. And probably a lot of us can relate to Nicole when she talks about some damaged relationships in her family. You know, nothing says holidays like some uncomfortable dynamics and strained family relationships. Nicole was feeling the pain of distance and silence in a relationship that was, relationships that were supposed to be close. You know, anger uh, drives in a wedge and then bitterness and resentment and pride all lodge themselves in place, preventing this fracture from healing and creating further distance. This goes on month after month. Aren't families supposed to work better than this? Uh, my friend Dwayne, he could answer yes to that question. He has some close family ties. Here's a picture of Dwayne and his, his family, his wife, Casenta, and their daughters, Kamei and Eliana, part of our mountain community. Dwayne, I used to play quarterback for Edgewood, and I used to coach the quarterbacks at Edgewood, uh, so we have that connection. I mean, I didn't coach Dwayne. He's, like, way older than me. Uh, he graduated in the 1900s, um, <laughs> but part of our Bel Air campus now. Uh, it, so this is a season where any people are, we're going to get sick, get the cold or the flu for a few days, maybe down for a few weeks even, and then we'll get back to normal. 
Well, uh, Casenta White has endured a season of illness that dates back to 2005. Her battle started with uh, sarcoidosis, and you do your own Googling on that, but as I understand it, it's inflammation in different parts of your body. It attacks lymph nodes and other organs and causes severe fatigue and pain. There's treatment for it, but no cure. It's chronic, and for Casenta, it affects her brain. Eventually, the medicine that Casenta was taking uh, for sarcoidosis caused cancer, lymphoma, as if the one disease weren't enough trouble of its own. And that sort of turns life upside down. All of the fears and the questions that immediately rush in, probably many of us have felt and asked those things. Plus, there's tons of adjustments you got to make. I mean, life still goes on. There's family and work and school commitments and trying to juggle all that, traveling across the country for appointments they were and spending lots of time in the hospital, which sometimes feels okay um, like this, but then other times feels like this. 18 months after beginning her cancer treatments, Casenta's father was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Uh, she had actually emerged victorious from that bout with cancer, but then there's a, a new battle to fight. And their daughter, Kamei, ha- had her own challenges that she would face. She was diagnosed with ankylosing spondylitis, an inflammatory disease that affects the spine and potentially other parts of the body, kind of an arthritis-type condition that's very painful and is also chronic. And then, in October of last year, Casenta got cancer again. The doctors found tumors in her spine. And now, it's to the point where Dwayne told me, and I didn't, I didn't know that this was a thing, but she's being diagnosed with chronic cancer. Like, can a girl get a break? Life's hard enough when you experience it as a, as a roller coaster, right? When, when storms blow in, but then eventually blow out. But what do you do when the clouds come to stay and the rain continues to beat you down? Fear and and questions are given an opportunity to put down roots. That could be true for any of us. Now, your, your storms are different in their details. But all of us are trying to find a way to survive a world that doesn't work like it's supposed to. We got minds and bodies that are are infirm, unsettled, broken down. There's turmoil here. There's turmoil in our relationships, uh, family and friends, that they go sour and they cause great pain. And then, you know, I haven't talked about it a lot yet, but you can't not be aware of the turmoil that exists out there in the broader world. Twitter feeds constantly pinging us. Shots fired. Hostages taken. Bombs detonated. Refugees are fleeing violence and political unrest all over the world. I mean, countless people worldwide are, are experiencing the sounds of war right outside their window. Just a normal day for them. And maybe it's not quite the same intensity for most of us back here. But even some of our streets are lit up with red and blue lights on the regular. And sadly, the sound of gunfire has been heard far too close to home, even in our community. Battles of a different kind rage in in homes and schools and on sidelines. And then, of course, online where virtual attacks are launched every second. And it shakes us up. Hate, anger, violence, chaos rocking the world and rocking our internal world. Such that life ain't no sunny day Sesame Street jingle. But 
that sounds like this. This is the soundtrack of a world that is groaning in pain. For we know, the Bible says, that all of creation is groaning right together. And we're suffering the labor pains up until now. And it's not only the creation, but we ourselves also groan inside. That's why we long for Christmas. It's the same longing that God's people had 2,000 years ago when their world was just as upset and just as chaotic. And a messenger from God came and announced something that sounded totally different. Don't be afraid. There is good news. Great joy. Peace is coming to the earth. Do you hear it? hard to discern. Do you hear it? Christmas is coming. time of year that more starkly highlights for us the difference between the world we hope for and the world we live in. Sadness and uh, addictions and all kind of pain-numbing strategies are on the rise this time of year because that's, that's how we cope. It's how we cope with the disparity between what we're actually experiencing And the good, beautiful thing that we think, we hope, we believe God is bringing about. A peace, a a shalom that is so thoroughly peaceful that we long for it with all of our being. No more crying, no more pain, no more sickness, no more death. Harmony in every relationship. Shalom. And we want it to just Come in, wash over us, flood in full force and take over. But instead, God's promise, his hope for the world comes quietly. A vulnerable baby, born with a price on his head. All is calm, all is bright. Until God's newborn Savior and his family are fleeing to save themselves from violence. A soft, dissonant melody plays under a raging anthem. And somehow, in that strange, quiet tune, God is bringing his peace to the world. Your life right now may sound like a loud, chaotic anthem. And maybe that's making it hard for you to hear, hard for you to believe any kind of promise of peace. Maybe it is grief that is burdening you as you uh, think about loved ones that you miss this time of year. Or fear has you backed into a corner. Or your relationships have, go, have gone sour and they're causing pain. 
or your life uh, is a mess because of failure, your livelihood is being threatened, or you, you lack purpose and direction, you're, you're unsettled, you're disquieted, you're, you're in a storm. God, can you make it stop? One of the things that you learn about uh, the Christmas story is that uh, it, it unfolds uh, in a context. Okay? It's not like, well, there's a baby here. Like it fell out of the sky. I don't know where it came from, but let's put up a tree and make some cookies. Okay, no. It, it happens in a context. This gift that was given, there was from, written on the box, is from God, given in the context of a relationship that he has with his people. They got a history together. Okay? He has long been giving and saving and leading his people. And he had promised that this gift was coming. Uh, It it would be a gift, something, someone that would uh, bring things that were familiar to God's people. It would remind them like when they had a strong king to lead them, like King David. This would be a new king of that same family line to bring the same kinds of blessings of peace and security. The Christmas story is just another chapter in a story that traces itself back centuries to King David and beyond. King David wrote Psalm 55. And if you are someone who is grieving or hurting or anxious or fearful or struggling or questioning or doubting, or if you have ever been any of those things, and I would bet that you can relate to the experience that he describes there. Psalm 55, you may want to take out a Bible and just turn to Psalm 55 and get familiar with it. It's about right in the middle if you have one of these old-fashioned paper ones. Um, You can do it on your phone. I'm going to read it off my notes. Psalm 55 Now, when you talk to God, I don't know if you're this honest or this bold when you do it, but this is how the people who wrote the Bible talk to God. Listen to my prayer, O God, and do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me and I am distraught because of what my enemy is saying, because of the threats of the wicked, for they bring down suffering on me and assail me in their anger. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. That's a bad day. That's a bad day. That's that's a storm that's showing no signs of letting up. Now, David made some mistakes in his life, haven't we all? But any of us would have looked at him and said, I mean, he's a good guy. He doesn't deserve that. Why would God do him like that? This is not fair. What will David do? Well, he's thinking about it. I said, oh, I wish I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest, far away, stay in the desert. I'd hurry to a place of shelter, far from the tempest and the storm. I want to escape. Just just get me out of here. Run away from my problems. Any of us would be thinking that. And sometimes we do that. And sometimes it might be right. We just got to get out. But other times, if we withdraw and ignore our problems, they don't go away. And the storm intensifies. David, David's feeling this at, at, at every level, describing that anguish that's within. And then, li- looking more broadly, in verse 9, he looks out over the city and he says, I see violence and strife. It's everywhere I look. Destructive forces are at work in the city. Threats and lies never leave its streets. And then he, he mourns that there's a relationship that has turned bitter. I mean, if this, if what I was experiencing was an enemy attacking and insulting me. I could handle that, but this, it's you, my friend, my companion. We we used to have something together. Now, the Bible was written in an ancient world. 
but it speaks to today's problems because they're the same. It, it speaks to today's people because the ache and the disappointment over the disparity between the peace that we hope for and the turmoil we experience is still so real. We're, we're not exempt from it. King David, King David was not exempt from it. We feel what he feels. His city looks like ours. His anguish is ours. But you know, the Bible wasn't given to us so that we could commiserate, like two down-on-their-luck barmates. The Bible was given to us so that we might remember that King David's God is our God. We have his words in our Bible so that our faith could look like his, that our prayers could sound like his. While the storm rages on for David, he determines, as for me, I call to God and the Lord saves me. Now, before you think this is like a genie coming and scooping up David right out from the trouble. No, no, no. This this is how the saving unfolds. David wants to escape. He doesn't. He hangs in an evening, morning, and noon. I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. He rescues me unharmed from the battle waged against me, even though many oppose me. I'm in it, he says. I'm in distress, but I'll tell you where I'm going with it. I'm going to the God who hears my voice. Morning, noon, and night, that's what I'm going to do. On the raging sea, that's the course that David charts. And his experience is what I've heard from many of you and what I can testify to myself. It's like you call on God. You maybe can't locate him. He, He seems distant. You can't see him, but you seek him. And in so doing, you wobble through a few things. Like you make it through some battles. And even though the war is still raging, eventually you realize, oh my, God brought me through. I'm still here. I'm still going. There's still opposition on many fronts, but God's got me. He, he, he saved me. Not like he whisked me away from the storm, but he strengthened me in it. He saved me yesterday, I guess. And in the struggle, he's saving me again today. There is nothing peaceful about my surroundings, but yet I have peace. And it's so strange. I I'm settled in my mind and heart, somehow poised by a soft, dissonant melody, which I couldn't hear before, but which is loud enough and real enough now to assure me God heard me. Who is this God? It's the God who is enthroned from old, who does not change. This is the God of the story. David says, we got history together. I'm in the middle of something that I don't know a way out of right now, but I do know that God is still on the throne. 
And he hears me just like he has always heard his people and always been faithful to his people by proving himself and delivering on his promises, by meeting his people in their distress and leading them through the dark valleys with poise and strength and peace that cannot be explained. None of that has changed. So cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Things may shake all around you, but God will sustain you. And as for those who insist on fighting against the God of peace, we will leave them in God's hand. He will do with them what he will. God will bring down the wicked, but as for me, I trust in you. The Christmas story unfolds in a context. It is built upon chapter after chapter of God's faithfulness and sustaining grace even in life's most troubling times. God's people, King David among them, have been witnesses throughout the centuries that that when it seems like God is silent or absent, when the chaos rages on and all of God's goodness and power don't immediately rush in to fix it according to our plan and timing, God is still shepherding his people. David's the one who wrote Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Not because there's nothing to fear. No, the valley is deep. The way is hard. The threats are real. But God is with me. A shepherd with a rod and a staff, he is equipped for whatever battle comes. So strangely, in the valley, I am at peace. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah is another witness. God will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. That's where peace comes from. It's where you place your trust, not the circumstances where you're placed. And the Christmas story bears witness to the fact that God is still bringing peace. And to go on further, the Christmas story is a deposit, a guarantee of of an everlasting promise that God's peace is the only thing that will endure. All our troubling circumstances are temporary. The groaning of birth pain gives way to something beautiful. And with the birth of his son, God announces to the world that he is acting to bring his deep and beautiful shalom to all of his creation. Yes, softly at first, Jesus comes. God God doesn't force himself upon us. He is waiting for us to receive him. He comes in the gentlest of ways. And, And you can rage against him if you choose. But as David puts it bluntly, God will bring down the wicked. The anger and the hatred that causes wars among nations and in our own homes will come to an end. That tune fades out. 
And this one, this Jesus, this humble baby in him, the nations will put their trust. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Christmas says God's doing it through Christ. It's about that it's not about the visions of sugar plums. It's about that vision. It's not saying, oh, Santa is coming. It's not saying God is here in Jesus. Believe it. Trust him and you will have peace. Strange peace. Peace that is, is dissonant with your surroundings. Peace that you can't explain. Peace that strengthens you as you wait for God's story to reach its final page. Christmas teaches us to wait. There is a disparity between our future hope and our present struggle. And if you find yourself waiting today for rest, for relief, for healing, for answers, for provision, may you be able to wait like King David. He was honest with God. All of, all of that anguish, anguish and, and turmoil and confusion and anger, he, he brought it to the Lord. He wanted to escape. He wanted to run away and take matters into his own hands. He, he didn't. Instead, he, he called on God. Morning, noon, and night, he, he countered ceaseless opposition with ceaseless prayer. And no matter what anybody else was going to do, he said, as for me, I'm going to trust in the Lord, the God who's still on the throne. If you find yourself waiting today, May you be able to wait like Dwayne and Cassenta White and their family. You know, they've, they've felt all of the emotions that any of us would feel if we were going through something like what they've experienced. And it's an interesting thing about uh, what we feel. We have different labels for that, but sometimes, you know, if you reflect on it long enough, you realize it's just fear. That's at the root of it. And Dwayne said that once he, once he realized that, he started to imagine like his fear on a, on a balance with his trust in the Lord. They can't exist in the same space. Where there's fear, there's a lack of trust there. I had to understand who's in control and then trust in that control. And as fear decreased, peace increased. You can preach that. I asked Dwayne, does it get any easier no, because they, they've been through, you know, one thing after another. Like, is there any sort of muscle memory that, that kicks in? He said, well, kind of, although as things, you know, as things come about, there's always the temptation. It's always easy to be negative about it. And for them, you know, something flares up and the doctor says something and you like look and wait. Maybe it's cancer and fear is always ready to tip the scale. But God strengthens us through it sometimes more quickly than others. But he did. <laughs> He does laugh at himself, remembering the first time, way, way back on, the first time that the doctor dropped a diagnosis on them. He said, I got scared right away, acting like I don't have a list. 
acting like I didn't already, even at that point, have a list of ways that God had been faithful to us and led us through hard things. He's more mindful of the list now. It's gotten longer, I guess. Each time something happens, their, their testimony grows. And if you're scared or worried today, maybe you're acting like you don't have a list. The White family has uh, charted their course, and it's not going to be dictated by fear. They're, they've traveled on family vacations. Casenta uh, finished her master's degree in a hospital bed. They're, they're eating clean and living active. Dwayne said he watched his wife walk through her second bout of cancer like it was a severe cold. And as of a couple months ago, the cancer is gone for now. Sarcoidosis remains, yeah. Sarcoidosis is still there. Kamei still has AS. But uh, according to Dwayne, there's too much more of the Lord's work to be done for us to worry about stuff we don't have control over. Instead, they're living with a, a new understanding of what peace is. Uh, Dwayne remembers at some point in this process, he heard someone talking about... Uh, there was an art competition, and the students were instructed to create images of peace. And so several uh, did things, you know, sunsets and rainbows and these serene settings, as you might imagine. But there was one person who painted a picture of this stormy sea viewed from the perspective of the shore. And there's this pier going out into it. And on the end of that pier, there's a bird perched calmly. Feathers unruffled. And that's the kind of strange peace that God is producing in the white family. May you also experience that peace. Nicole has discovered it. Uh, when her anxiety brought her to her knees, it also brought her to mountain. It had been a long time since she had been in a church, let alone you know, have, doing anything like in our rooted group where you like talk to strangers and stuff. Well, she's been such an encouragement and delight to us, and she's been encouraged and, and just set free by the core truth of the gospel that she is a child of God, and nothing can change that. She says, when I go through hard times of anxiety or depression, I focus on God's promise to me, that this suffering is not forever, and knowing that one day soon it will come to an end is so comforting in itself. I put verse, uh, the verse from Isaiah 41.10, do not fear for I am with you. It's on my phone as a wallpaper so I can see it every time I use it. And now, so she finds herself in this strange kind of place where it's like, well, I, I don't want to have this anxiety, and I would never wish it on anyone else because it's terrible, but it's the thing that brought me to Jesus and brought me to this church and, and caused all of the blessings and the, the enrichment of my life right now. It's what's getting me through, so I don't know. I kind of feel like it's a blessing. She acknowledges, I, may, I might have anxiety forever, but it keeps me focused on Jesus, and that's where I want to be. And that focus, and that trust on Jesus is what led her to be an agent of peace in her family. She committed to bridge that gap of silence, not with rational, rationalization and arguments, but with the love of Christ. And it didn't even go well the first time. But that didn't discourage her from responding with even more love. The agape kind that Ben talked about last week. Because of her commitment there, 
some of that future harmony and peace has been brought back to the present as restoring what was broken. Our world needs us all to be agents of peace. As God sustains and brings peace to us and strengthens us while we wait, may we have the strength to bring peace to all of the unsettled places on the planet. This testimony of some of these friends of mine helps me find peace. Holly and I are still discovering what it means to trust God's promise and find him sustaining us and bringing peace. Holly said that she used to think that experiencing God's peace meant that she would never you know, have any kind of negative emotion, that it should immediately disappear. And then when it didn't, well, she began to feel guilty or feel like something's wrong. Maybe she's not reading the Bible enough or not praying enough or not doing enough, and she'd start to feel ashamed. But the more battles uh, she's got under her belt, she's discovered God giving her the strength to be still, even with the range of emotions. She's found friends for support, opportunities to, to serve and be useful, find purpose in the mission, scriptures to bring comfort. We're still waiting for it all to work out exactly like we want. But until then, we're not going to act like something strange is happening to us if we find ourselves in a battle. And we'll not be ashamed if we struggle. Because strangely, none of that can prevent God's peace. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful for who you are and for your promises to us all the ways that you meet us in our moments of trial and distress. We, we need that now, Lord. You know the, ang- the anxiety, the anxious thoughts and, and feelings, uh, the turmoil that's going on right inside of us. Or whatever turmoil exists in some of our relationships that just don't work like we want them. And in our communities, in our world, there's so many at war. We long for peace. We pray for peace and we come to you for it. We ask that you would uh, meet us in our moments of pain and distress. That you would work peace in a world that seems uh, bent on raging against you. So Lord, have mercy on us. Meet us in our struggle and take us our next steps. Even for today, you know what every one of us is facing. So come, Lord Jesus, and lead us through the valley. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, For some of us, one of the ways that we're uh, unsettled today may be because of some grief, that we're, we're, we're missing some loved ones that are gone. And we created an opportunity in the last few weeks for people in our community to send in some names of people that they're remembering this time of year. Maybe you've done that and you'll see those names on the screen in a moment. Maybe you didn't have the opportunity to do that, but you still, you've, you've got some names and people that you're remembering. Wherever you find yourself today, may uh, God meet you in this moment. And through the song and the words that are spoken and the truths that are proclaimed, may God give you his peace.